Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences will often show us how much more we actually have in common. I'm Condis Presley. It's Labor Day weekend, traditionally the last weekend of summer, and there's some rain in the forecast. Sounds to me like a great opportunity to spend some time inside with family and perhaps to pick up a good book. You guys know I love introducing you to writers, especially those who are writing for our kids. And today is one of those days. My guest hails from South Carolina. His name is B.B. Alston, and he writes for young people. He's the author of Amari and the Great Game. It's his second novel in his Supernatural Investigations trilogy. His first book, Amari in the Night Brothers, has been published in more than 27 countries. It's an international bestseller, including a Sunday New York Times bestseller. Last year, it was the overall winner of the Barnes & Noble Children's and Young Adult Book Awards. And hey, get this, a major motion picture is being developed on this book and it's going to star one of my favorite characters from Blackish, the actress and producer Marseille Martin. Now here's a little bit about the story, Amari and the Great Game. After finding her brother and saving the entire supernatural world, Amari Peters is convinced her first full summer as a junior agent's going to be a breeze. But between the fearsome new headminister's strict anti-magician agenda, fierce junior agent rivalries, and her brother's curse steadily worsening, her plate's pretty full. When the secretive League of Magicians offers her a chance to stand up for magician kind as its new leader, she at first says no. She's got enough to worry about. But her refusal allows somebody else to step forward, a magician with a dangerous plan. This challenge sparks the start of the great game, a competition to decide who will become the Knight Brothers' successor and determine the future of magician kind. The great game is both mysterious and deadly, but among the winner's magical rewards is her brother's last hope. So how does she refuse? Let's say hello now to the author, B.B. Alston. What a fun story. Tell us, when did you decide to become a writer and that this would be the space you would occupy? So I think I've been writing probably since like the eighth grade. I used to write these um, these really cheesy horror stories with my classmates. It would always be like a field trip that went terribly wrong, like the bus crashed into the woods and now we got to uh, escape from like vampires and zombies and stuff. And so my classmates all come around and see who made it to the end. And I just, it, we got such a kick out of that. And that's like the first time I realized that, you know, something I wrote can make other people happy. And it kind of, that's what kind of gave me the writing bug. Um, and I've been doing it since then, um, kind of on my own, um, to my, really for myself until I got in my 30s. I thought, you know, maybe let's just see if I can do something with this. And uh, so I decided to uh, write a full novel at that point. And I got a bunch of no's for like years and years, which is pretty common for author, author stories these days. Um, and then one day I entered a pitch contest on Twitter. 
Um, and just kind of was out of the blue and figured out to give it a shout out to all those no's and uh, agent saw it and uh, got it to the editor and then that turned into a book deal and like I said 27 countries I think we're up to 30 now and then that turned into a movie deal and everything kind of went off from there and so it's been pretty exciting. <laughs> that is certainly an understatement I mean you said you got a lot of no's a pitch mm -hmm. contest on Twitter tell us more about that. Yeah so it's, it's called DV Pit and it's, it's, um, it's, it's uh, made by an agent called uh, Beth Phelan. And basically it gives uh, marginalized authors, authors who may not get the same opportunities they feel like um, other writers get, gives them a chance to kind of stand out and let agents go through and pick out the one they want. Um, and so, you know, when I when I entered, I thought, nobody's gonna see this, like nobody's gonna care. And, but you know, I kind of went back and forth whether I was gonna do it or not. And I said, you know, let me just give it a shot. Let me just see what happens. And and uh, everything kind of happened from there. So, uh, you know, I owe a lot to that contest and Beth Feeling. So I'm uh, very grateful. It's one thing to go from field trips that have gone wrong to <laughs> what you're doing here with Amari and the, the night, I lost the title again. Uh, we got Amari and the Great Game and Amari and the Knight Brothers. Tell mm -hmm. me about the, that, that story's origin story. So um, I was um, I was I was a big fan of Men in Black, and so um, you know I thought, you know, what, what if it wasn't just aliens that I was kind of living among us? What if it was like all the supernatural creatures, like zombies and vampires and all those kind of things? Like maybe uh, maybe your neighbor's a witch, or maybe your mailman secretly aware of that kind of thing. And so I thought, how would the agency be different? And so I kind of played around that idea about this, this government agency that kind of deals with supernatural. And then as I was doing that one day, Amara just kind of popped into my head and I knew I knew how she spoke, how she felt, how she talked. It was a, a lot of how I felt at that age, honestly. And um, um, just, you know, the story of magic and myths and all that, you know, fantastical stuff. Uh, it's a story about a, a girl learning to believe in herself and kind of learning to accept herself too. And that's kind of the emotional heart of the story. Now, how did you know that you could write so clearly this female character? Um, honestly, I didn't. I just kind of, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of um, gave it my best, my best try. I just felt like if I made a realistic character, I, I tried my best to do her justice, not not rely on any kind of cliches or anything like that, and make her a full character um, that people will respond to it, and uh, they have. And so I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, that was something I was worried about when I first did it, like whether I could pull it off or not. But uh, people seem like they really enjoyed it, so I'm pretty happy with that. Share with us your origin story. How did you grow up? What were you doing? I mean, you've talked a little bit about, you know, writing, writing horror stories with kids on uh, in school and at eighth grade, but um, mm -hmm. tell us more about you. Yeah, I, I was a kid a lot like Amaria. You know, I, I came from kind of modest means. My um, my mom got sick when I was a kid, and so we were on disability. So, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a whole lot of extra money to go around. And so for me, books were kind of like my escape. And so I would, you know, I've we weren't going like on a big, big fancy trips on the week, on the weekends or or the summers. So I just grabbed a book and kind of escaped into a, a into a story. Um, for me, I know, like um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory was my, my probably the, the book that kind of kind of started my love of reading fantasy books. Um, just the, the idea that a kid from modest means, you know, he still didn't let he didn't let his background or where he was from kind of you know kill him from having these big dreams and wanting to do big things with his life. And so I kind of really identified with that. And so. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it kind of gave me the courage to be a lifelong reader, was turned to a writer, and that's kind of how I got here today. <laughs> what made you want to write for young people as opposed to uh, writing adult novels or nonfiction or anything like that? I think I think writing for kids is just so much fun. I mean, there's, 
when, when you're that age, it's, 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 you're still full of optimism. You know, you, when you, when you, it, the world still feels limitless, right? And, you know, I think when you get older, you can let that cynicism kind of creep in and you get a little jaded. But when you're that age, you know, the world still feels full of possibilities. And so when you're writing for that age, you kind of feel that way too, even though, you know, you're not that age anymore. You still kind of kind of live in that moment. And that's a lot of fun. And also, um, you know, uh, I, I think it's fun to write fantasy books for those kids because, um, you know, that's kind of that first age when you kind of start to think for yourself, you know, you know, all before that, you kind of, whatever your parents believe is what you believe and however they see the world is how you see the world. And that's kind of the first, the first time when you're starting to think for yourself, like, okay, how do I see the world? What do I think? And so I think the idea of there being like a secret world out there, you know, more, there's more to the world than we know. I think it's kind of a cool little metaphor for that time. <laughs> Who do you like to read? Oh man, you know, I, 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 I kind of stay in the fantasy realm, but, um, I love reading books, but, um, uh, let's see. I always, I always get this question. I freeze up, but cause I read so much, but I, I, I like reading fantasy books from, um, from authors, especially um, uh, authors of color. Uh, there's a, a book coming out called uh, The Taste of Magic by uh, JL. That's a really good book if you want to try it. Or um, Kwame Mbalia wrote um, Trish and Strong series. That's a really good series. Um, I think a big, a big, two big books for me were um, Angie Stone's The Hate You Give and then Nick Stone's Dear Martin. Those books were so big for me because I had read, so I had got so used to, you know, because with fantasy was my, with fantasy being my favorite type of book to read. Um, there just weren't a lot about black kids and so I kind of got used to when, when I picked up a book not seeing black kids and, and that not bothering me and not, and not caring at all when it happened and so when I read those books I was like man this is what I've been missing out on like you know I've been I was so used to taking myself out of the story and um, you know finally a book that kind of centered black folks in our culture and how we speak and how we feel and our issues and, and that really made it click for me and so when I wrote, when, went to write Amari I, I I saw how how important it was to be accurate and give a real representation of who we are. And so um, without, you know, without books like that, you know, I don't think there will be a Amari. So, uh, yeah, I owe a lot to those authors. Tell the audience more about Amari, this character that you've created. Okay, so she's, um, like I said, she's from, she's an inner city kid. Um, she's uh, got an older brother she, who thinks she thinks the world of. And uh, I think she's a lot like a, a lot of kids that age, you know, she's kind of looking to fit in. She wants to be accepted by her peers, but you know she goes to this school across town with all the rich kids. So she's kind of an outcast. She sticks out, and uh, she kind of feels like she doesn't measure up to those kids. And um, that's kind of how I felt too at that age. Um, I used to go to these summer camps on the other side of town, um, and I used to kind of feel like, man, like look, look at all the stuff they have. I don't feel like I'm as good as they are. And so a lot of the emotional uh, part of the story, the emotional growth for Mari, is just learning that she's more than just the stereotypes, and that, you know. Uh, she can define who she is and she didn't have to let you know what other people think of her you know define what she can do in her life and so I think uh, that's an important message for kids whether you're in that situation or not I think it's something great for kids to read and as a character she she's disadvantaged doesn't come from the best neighborhood was that mm -hmm. critical to her development for you as a character absolutely because I think a lot of kids in that situation get that message um I, I felt that I felt that same way when I was her age not having a lot I think um you know, when you're when you when you're a black kid, when not a lot of people have a certain idea of who you're going to be and what you're going to accomplish in your life. And I think um, showing somebody overcome that and showing somebody to kind of step into their own power, I think that's such a such a powerful message for those kids, especially. And so when I got the chance to do it, I I, I kind of I kind of went with it full force. <laughs> in the real world, in your stories, and in the magical world, in your stories, Amari as a character experiences is racism. Um, why is that important also to include in this story? 
Well, I, I think when you like when, when you're doing a lot of magical stuff and kind of make believe stuff, it's kind of good to ground a reader in something real that they can relate to. And I think you know whether it's racism or classism or sexism, any kind of any of those kind of things, you know, uh, you, you're going to find yourself. Everybody finds themselves in a situation where they're not like everybody else, or they feel like they're the outcast and they don't fit in. And so I think you know showing somebody learn to overcome that and, and kind of learn to define themselves on their own terms. I think for kids, especially if you can get that message tone early, I think that's really important, especially if they kind of go through those teenage years, those awkward teenage years, and they can already have that message kind of instilled in them. I think that's super important. <laughs> Had you created this character before or after the hashtag Black Girl Magic? Because it is certainly applicable here. I think it was after. I think um, I think a lot of those, a lot of those. I think I think it kind of began close to when uh, Tommy Adiemi came out with Children of Blood and Bone. It was kind of when I first started seeing it. So it was definitely, I was still writing at that point. So it was after. Um, but I think it invited so much of um of our of our, our black sisters and in and, and the magic they that the natural magic they have. Um the magic I see in my wife and I look at her. So I mean I think I think I think it's an amazing thing. And I I, I try to tap to as much as I could. I don't know, you know, as much as I could possibly tap into, I tried to put that into Amari. <laughs> Everyone wants to launch with a debut novel a debut book that goes to the top of the bestseller list and and achieves all the success that you've achieved just thus far with this first book any pressure to make sure that the second one does as well or is it kind of already baked in well i think there's always that you know a fear in the back of your head that you know you, it's not going to be as good or um you kind of let your fans down but i think you just have to kind of trust your gut and just write the best story you can and, and hope readers respond to it. but you know there's definitely that you know that thought that kind of creeps in the back of your mind like you know i hope you don't blow it <laughs> so definitely <laughs> how do you interact with your readers do they email you are they following you on social and what are sort of the some of the things that the kids are telling you so kids, they, they, do, they do love to email you, but they're really big on Instagram. They, they, they'll, they'll send you a ton of Instagram messages and they'll, you know, they'll do everything from tell you what they love about the story, stuff they wish they, 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 it was different. And then even, they'll even give you writing tips, which is, this is so awesome. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're so unfiltered. They tell you exactly what they feel. And that's what I love about talking to kid readers. Um, uh, I got a chance to do a signing yesterday. I got to talk to them in person. That's even that's even better because you get to see the excitement in their face and, um, you know, just, just, just being a part of people's childhood is so special, I think. And, um, it's something I always, I always cherish. And so um, as long as they let me write for kids, I'll write for kids. <laughs> kids today are, are way different than when you were a kid or when I were a kid. When you get a writing tip from a kid who's, who's, who's <laughs> you know, sending you a message on Instagram or whether it's in a real life in-person experience at a book signing, talk about how you interact with those kids because those can be really critical development moments in their growing up. Yes, I just try to meet them with them. Like you know, a, lot, a lot of them are like really shy sometimes. And so you just try to, you know, you try to, you know, coax them and let them know that it's okay to talk to them. I'm just a person just like you are, um, which is, it, it still feels odd. That's why I'd be nervous to meet me, you know, but um, they get, they get nervous and sometimes they're really excited. And, um, and it's just, it's just about, um, you know, making, it, making sure they have a positive experience. I always want to, um, when I speak to them, um, give them words of encouragement. A lot, a lot of them want to be writers too. They, they say, you, they say that, oh, you can do it, then I can do it too. And I always try to encourage that. Um, so yeah, I just try to make sure they have a positive experience um, and and something they cherish. And, and that's always special to me. So yeah. Do you see yourself as a role model? Uh, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm in 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 as 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 public enough to be a role model, but um, 
I try to be uh, something that if, if a kid does uh, think they want to be a writer or something, they reach out saying, I want to do what you do. I, I always try to give encouragement and advice. And uh, so I guess in that way, if, uh, if a kid reaches out, I always try to um, give them, you know, something, um, something, I guess something I wish I would have heard at, at that age, something that, um, you know, makes them think that they can accomplish everything. Because I kind of got that from my mom. And so I try to look at that same message. <laughs> Do you feel any additional responsibility as a writer of color telling stories about fictional characters of color that really can influence this next generation of young people? I think it, I think you just have to do the characters justice. You have to represent them, I think, in an authentic way. Um, you don't want to feel cheesy or forced or, 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 and I definitely don't want to put any bad depictions. And so I think you do have a, a responsibility to kind of um, uh, make sure that kids that, the kids that do look up to you or the kids that when they see you and think, okay, now that if he can do it, I can do it. Um, that they come away with a positive, a positive message from from your books and from your your, your meetings in person too. So definitely share with us some of the backstory of how Amari is going to come to life as a movie character. That has to be ridiculously exciting. Yeah, it's super exciting. And so uh, I got to talk to Marseille's family. That was really cool. Um, I got to talk to the Don Tito. He's going to be involved too on the day Avengers came out. So that's kind of a, a memory I always have. And so uh, I got to read the scripts. And it's such a different medium. Uh, you know, when you're writing a book, you kind of have a, uh, you have an unlimited budget. Do whatever you want to do in your mind, right? Um, and this kind of seeing how they transfer that into a script is really, really cool. And so right now we're looking for a director. And I'm hoping by the end of the year, um, we're going we're to finally get that green light by the end of the year. So we'll know exactly when they're going to start filming and then when it might come out too. So some really exciting stuff ahead. So hopefully, fingers crossed, it comes to fruition. <laughs> is Marseille Martin the executive producer on the project? I know she is one of the mm -hmm. youngest uh, mm -hmm. award-winning producers in the game. Yeah, Marseille Martin is a, is a whole force of nature. Like, she's amazing. Um, she's, she's, she is producing this movie along with Don Cheadle and then Mandeville Films. And so it's like a, like three different producers all together and they're working together. But um, yeah, I was like so excited when she wanted to be involved. Um, like It's like a dream come true. So, you know, I'm, I'm super thrilled. <laughs> How did they become aware of the book? I think um, when, when, when it went out to film agents, it went out to, it actually went to auction. And, and so she was one of the, the, one of the people who had bitten, who had bitten for the book. And um, I mean, when you get Marseille Martin potentially involved, I mean, how do you turn that down? So, you know, it was, I was so thrilled to, to be involved with, with her and her team. <laughs> so you're two books in. Mm -hmm. How much of a series is this? What's coming for you next? So there's definitely going to be three books. It might be a few, it might be more. We're still trying to negotiate whether they're going to do that or not. But definitely three books in the series. And I'm writing a third book right now. Uh, it'd be really cool, I think, to write maybe a prequel, like a graphic novel, something different, just to kind of switch it up a little bit. Um, so that's what we're doing right now, and hopefully, um, hopefully readers will stick around for the other books. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see where the story goes and how they react to it. When you were a 10-year-old reading because it was a wonderful escape for you, because as you said, coming from a family of modest means, it's not like you were doing luxurious and extravagant things. When you were that mm -hmm. little boy, did you have any idea that you would be where you are right now? Oh, no clue. I mean, you know, when you're a kid, you, just think you have a like wild imagination, but you don't necessarily think they're going to come true. You know, you just kind of like, man, I, I love for to be doing this in 20 years or 30 years. But, you know, um, especially as you get older, you kind of lose that, 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 that um, uh, what's the word? Uh, innocence. Yeah, that innocence. Yeah. You kind of become jaded and think, well, you know, you know, I can, I can lose, own to a certain amount of things in my life. What's, what's realistic? It's like, you start thinking of what's in terms of what's more realistic and think, 
Um, but man, I, I mean, if I could go back and tell him anything, I, I think he he probably like like fall over and just pass out <laughs> from excitement if he thought I could be an actual writer, you know. So, um, man, I'm living my dream now. You can't beat that. <laughs> so you are living your best life. Absolutely, 100. <laughs> Have you and your wife started a family yet? Not yet. We've we've been talking about it. Um, maybe in the next year or two. Uh, I'm thinking. Um, but yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I'm so busy now, but man, I you know I really want to take time and you know like really be there and present and, and everything. So we're still we're still negotiating a time frame. <laughs> what does the rest of your family think about this wonderful success you enjoy? Oh man, they're so excited. I think that's I think that's the best thing about you know having any kind of success to be able to share that with your family and your friends and you know see them get excited it makes you more excited and uh, getting getting to share their success and they, like they came to. I had some aunts and uncles come to the um, book signing yesterday, and that was such a cool experience to take pictures and sign their books. And they brought some of their friends and the kids and everything. And it's just it's just such a special thing. So yeah, you're, really you're big that. time now, right? Yeah, I mean, I I, I I don't feel big time, but they say I am. So <laughs> I'm always excited about them. Maybe if you were not an author, what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? Uh, you know, I, 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 I was one of those kids who wanted to be something different every week. <laughs> Um, but I was actually getting ready to uh, train to go to a uh, med school when I was getting ready to move, when I was doing a pitch contest. I was um, I had applied to um, a med school program, like a feeder program where you could do like the first year of med school, and then if you do well enough, they actually admit you to the actual med school. I said I had kind of like put my life uh, turned everything to that when I did the pitch contest, and so um, um, I still tell myself I'm gonna go back and do and, and finish one of these days, but I don't know if it will. But I keep telling myself I will. I just think. You know, being a doctor and helping people, that's such a such a noble profession. So I keep it in the back of my head as a possibility. <laughs> For all the kids that have read or are going to read Amari and the Knight Brothers and will read Amari and the Great Game, what do you want them to take away from your books? Uh, the biggest thing, I think, is just kindness and treating people who aren't like you um, with respect and, and, and learning that people are more than stereotypes. Uh, the actual people, I think when, I think the best part about books is you get to read about people who are different than you and you find out that they aren't so different than you might have thought they were and that, you know, you, everybody wants to fit in, they wants to feel loved, we all have goals and ambitions. And so I think that's the biggest thing, it's just uh, treat people with respect and kindness. And, and I feel like if, if, if that can get that message across, I think like the book is a success. <laughs> Was there anything else you wanted to make sure that our audience knows that I might not have thought to ask you? Um, I guess if, if, if you're a reader or, or you want to know any, any information about me, you can find me on uh, at bbaustin.com or you can reach out on Instagram and Twitter at bb underscore Austin. And I love interacting with people. So reach out. <laughs> the books are Amari and the Knight Brothers, which is a huge, overwhelming success. The second novel, Amari and the Great Game. The author is B.B. Austin from South Carolina. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, for, thanks for having me. I love being here. <laughs> We want to say thank you again to the author, B.B. Alston, Amari and the Knight Brothers, his first book, and Amari and the Great Game, available wherever you find books for your kids. If you've been in the city at all this weekend, you know Atlanta is full, again, full this time with visitors. From the college football kickoff with Georgia and Georgia Tech playing this weekend at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, to Black Gay Pride, to Dragon Con, and one more event celebrating the life of one of our favorites. In our next segment, how you can stay positive in the memory of legendary radio DJ Silas Alexander, our friend Simon Baby. This is Perspectives on News 95.5.
WSB. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condas Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condas? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.